Well, welcome to our family service. You know, a family service is a fun service. So, so once a month, uh, the first Sunday of the month, uh, Joe lets me come up here and do things that we normally wouldn't do. But Joe's not here, he's on vacation, so today I'm going to cause some trouble. You can email him later. Tell on me, I don't, I don't mind. But every one of you was get, should have in your hand two balloons. Two balloons. If you don't have two balloons, raise your hand. The ushers will see you immediately, and they will give you a balloon. You should have two balloons. Two balloons. And we're going to discover something today. We're going to discover how much life that you can give in just one breath. We're going to discover just how much life you can give. Now, I don't know about you, but I used to have massive lungs. Now they're even bigger because I'm heavier. I have a huge lung capacity. Massive. I got, two, I got two bear claws stuck right in this region right here. They're stuck there. Okay, two balloons, two balloons. And please give me the leftovers because I'm going to go to Oxnard and do the same thing. Okay? Two balloons. Okay, so here's the instructions. When I count to three, I want you to get the deepest. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just explaining. Don't worry. I'm just explaining. I'm going to explain. Don't worry. This is not go yet. When, you, when, I, when you, you get one breath, so take a really deep breath and blow as much of your breath into this balloon. But don't tie. Just pinch it off and hold it. Okay? But wait till I go on three, so don't get excited too, too quickly here. Okay, if, it, if, if your balloon pops, you're the record holder. I've never seen that happen before. So take one good, good deep breath. So practice. Okay, ready? Okay. Has everyone, has everyone got two now? There should be like, like over 177. If you, don't look, if you look at my bag, there's more in my bag. Karen will show you my bag. It's a bag of secrets in there. Okay. Does everyone got them? Hold one blue in your hand. Hold them in the air. Okay. On the count of three, I want you to blow, blow one breath into the balloon to discover how much life you can give, give to it and then pinch it off. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, pinch it off, pinch it off, pinch it off, there we go, pinch it off. Okay, when you, when you got your breath, hold your balloon up, hold your balloon up. Okay, here we go, and now I want you to let it go. One, two, three, let it go! I think we, I think we have, so make sure your second balloon, make sure you got a second, hold on to that one, we're going to go back to that later. We're going to come back to that. You know, if you popped your balloon, that means you have a lot of life to give. That was a big breath. So here's what, here's why we did that. 
Here's why we did that exercise. We did that because I want you to understand something. When God breathed life into Adam's nostrils, the first person that Adam saw was God. It was an re instant relationship. Adam woke up having the breath of God inside his nostrils, and the first person he saw was God, and that began the relationship between God and man. And for us to understand that, in the beginning, God created relationships. He created us to have a relationship with him. Now, this is a little different lesson. I'm going to be asking you some questions, so we're going to interact a little bit more. I'm going to ask you questions, and I just want you to give a, a response to it. Don't worry about whether your, your response is good or right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. It's just your response, okay? So, what are some indications that a person has received life from God? What does that mean to you? What are some indications that a person has received life from God? They love. They love. That's, a, that's an emotional uh, characteristic. Anybody else? They change. They change. Mind change? Change? They have the capacity to make a decision and decide to change. Great. Anybody else? Their heart. Yes, they have a physical heart. Not only are we as spiritual beings and emotional beings, we're actually physical beings too. And this body of ours will one day, it started from dust, it's going to go back to dust. But there is a supernatural relationship we have with God. So what replacements or substitutes for God do we sometimes rely on as our source of life? What are some things that we kind of substitute or replacements that we, that we try to find life source from? Okay, great. Because he, he made us to have a relationship with him, but he also made us to have relationships with each other. And then because you know, if, a, a little time later, God made, a, uh, made Eve out of the rib of man. And when, when, when Adam first saw Eve, you know what he said? Whoa, man, she's pretty awesome. Whoa. And so thus became woman out of man. Excellent. What else? What other substitute? What other replacements do we have besides whoa, man? Anything else? Greg? Money. That's important, right? It's a neutral thing. We have to, we have, we have to exist with money. And sometimes we can, you know, we, can, we can try to put our hope in money. And God says, hey, let's not put our hope in that because that's fleeting, right? It's temporary because... Our relationship really is to be on the next world, which is heaven. Anything else? Any replacements that you can think of? Being busy. Like Joe mentioned that last week, the life of hurried. In fact, Joe this week is out on vacation. That's why he's not here. Many of you are asking me. He's, he's not hurried anymore. He's, he's relaxing, which is great. But, yeah, we're, we're so hurried in life that we're so busy that we sometimes neglect our relationship with each other that God made us for. And some of them are so busy that we, we neglect the relationship with God. Wayne. Stuff. stuff. Like stuff happens? Material stuff, right? Yeah, go to my garage. There's stuff in there, right? I thought it was hugely important and still in my, you know, it's still in my garage with dust on it, right? When I first got it, I was like, no, I want to use this every day. And then it ends up in the garage, right? Gotcha. 
Awesome. Um, in the beginning, God created relationships. You know, at times, sometimes we can feel in our relationship with God that sometimes there's, there's nothing left. We hit, that, we hit that road, we hit that struggle, we hit that challenge, and we feel, man, I, there's nothing left. And you need a miracle. And the breath of God breathes new life into our challenges. Sometimes the breath of God is the way we look at a challenge, how we see a challenge. When we're faced with a challenge, sometimes we're like, I'm overwhelmed. And then the breath of God comes. And God, it's not so bad. When the Israelites saw the Red Sea and they were stuck there, we're dead. Here comes the Pharaoh. No, the breath of God. Part of the Red Sea. Not literally, but figuratively. It's an ongoing source of life. It's a relationship that we cannot neglect. But things get in the way. Situations get in the way. So, the second thing I want, to, I want to share with you is our relationship with God is a life source. Okay? So I, I want to read a passage with you, but I need some help reading this passage. Okay, I need some volunteers. Who wants to volunteer to read? Look over in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. So I need, I need loud readers, like really loud, loud people. Like, I, I need people that say, like, when people tell you, wow, you're really loud, can you relax? I want those people. <laughs> Viviana, you're one. Okay, I want you to read really loud, verse 4 through 10. Okay. And face, face the audience so they can hear you. There we go. I need a volunteer to read, to read the, the second part. Another volunteer. Kathy, thank you. Read verse 12 through 25.
a great reading. Wow, great job, ladies. Well done. Give me a hand. Okay, in this passage, God breathes life into Adam. Question, in what ways has God breathed life into you? Think about that for a second. Because if we, you forget to, we sometimes forget to, just to kind of contemplate, in what ways has God breathed life into you? Maybe he's breathed life into your marriage. Joe. Yeah. Excellent. You know, my daughter came home from camp, and one of the things she said was, she's like, Dad, I, what I learned this week at camp was, you know, life gives you scars, and they stay with you. And she's like, I'm not sure I want to, I wanna, you know, have my scars first, then become a, a disciple. She says, she started to think about that. Scars, and I said, you're right, honey, I'm 45 years old, and I still bear the scars from my youth. And they're there. Sometimes they haunt me, but they're there. Jack. So God breathes grace into you. Awesome. Monica. Going from an unforgiving person to breathing, being a forgiving person. The change over time. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Jen. Hope. Yep. Just like that song. Hope. Yep. Absolutely. Karen. Yeah. So I really don't have control, and just being able to give it over to God is breathing life into me. You're an awesome wool man. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Security. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 John. And then I'm going to move on. So in essence, God can breathe life into broken relationships. And that is a huge, huge point to make. Because there came a time when God made Adam and breathed life into him, and they had this relationship, and God looked after Adam and was, hey, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to give you a suitable helper, an awesome woman. And, but then what happens is 
their relationship got broken. God and man now had this, this moment where they was broken. And we're going to read chapter 3, verse 1. I need, a, I need a reader because this is a moment that's important for us because even though God breathes life into us and into our relationships, sometimes that relationship has a crack in it or gets broken somehow by our decisions that we make. Who wants to read 11 verses for me? Do we have a sister from Arizona in the house somewhere? Yeah. Oh, we do. Great. All right. Let's do this. Thank you. Wow. There's this moment where God breathes life into Adam and he sees God. It's his first relationship. Then he's got a relationship with, with Eve and they're a couple and they're there. And then this enters the serpent and he changes the storyline. Question. How does the serpent cause harm to Adam and Eve's relationship with God and each other? How does the serpent cause harm? to God's relationship with Adam and Eve and to each other. How does he do it? Jen. Who broke the trust? The Satan? Yes. So Adam and Eve broke the trust. What did the serpent do to cause that trust to be broken or to, for them to make that decision? Let's go with Newt. He added doubt. He started talking about God's character, and he put God's character in doubt. Doesn't that destroy any relationship? When you, when you doubt the motives of a friend that has, maybe you think that their motives are bad, doesn't that put doubt in your relationship? What else do you see? That's a huge one. He puts doubt in their mind, and it made it easier when Jen said that they broke the trust. Because I'm not sure if God, there's doubt. Anybody else? Viviana. He deceived him. How? Yeah, he told him, you know, a partial truth hidden, and he didn't really reveal everything to them. 
They'd have knowledge of something, but really it's going to cost them something. He withheld something from them. Very, they didn't have all the facts in their decision-making process. I saw Hank up there, back there. Kathy. Deliberately. He hid something, and then he lies. But to Adam and Eve, they're like, what? Because there was already, he started to doubt. So he started to fall for it. Back in the back. In the back. Yeah. Yes. You know, she saw that the, that the that fruit gave her something, some control. Okay, here's what's cool. When Adam and Eve realized they were exposed and they were naked, verse down in 21, God pulls them in and gives them garments. He gives them clothes. And he shuts out the Garden of Eden because, you know, he's got to put them out there now. But what God does here, he gives them clothes. He provides for them still. Even though he, they broke the relationship, God pulls them in. You see, when you break the relationship or you sin or you cause, uh, uh, you know, you break the command of God deliberately or unintentionally, but at the end of the day, you're going, I, I blew it. God's trying to restore the relationship. You know the one who hides? It's us. We hide. We stop praying. We stop communicating. We stop hanging out with each other. We start to be alone. We hide. We make our own little fig leaves. God's like, hey, where are you going? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And we're the ones are going like, I can't go to church. I can't be here. No one loves me. We're the ones that run. God's the one going, hey, what's going on? What happened? Oh, you ate from the tree? Okay. Now I got to give you clothes. Now I'm going to take care of you in a different way now. You can't be in the garden because there are consequences to sin, but God's coming after us. He's pursuing. He gives us the gift. He shows us how to have great relationships. You don't doubt them. You invest in them. And when you sin against someone in a friendship, you go after them. You don't run away and hide. Isn't that our nature? We're hiding. We hide in our houses. We hide in our jobs. We hide with our kids. We become a family that's only, only isolated. But what we really need is relationships. Another gift, God restores them. You know, when the, within the first three chapters of the Bible, humans experience a broken relationship with God. That's why I love this story of, of how humans and God relate to each other. How does God's grace restore us to life-giving relationships with him. How does God's grace impact that? What happens when you start to realize God's pursuing you? God's gracious, even though you've broken the trust, even though you've done something that violated his word. What in your heart, in your mind, how does that grace restore you? What does that feel like for you? Dana. If God can forgive you, aren't we our worst critics sometimes? Don't we beat ourselves up relentlessly and then we start hiding even more? I saw a hand go up. I want, you, I want you to try to, try to process this concept. Now, I'm going to give you a concept about 
about when there's a broken relationship. Whenever I did something at home and my, and I, my, my dad said, don't roller skate on the tile floor <laughs> at my house. He put in this new tile and new, new add-on. And, and so I got these new roller skates, and so I had to test them out. So I, I just skated from one slider to the other. I was going to go outside and play. And as I went, I got to the very end, and then I, I chipped the last tile going out. And I was like, oh, man. And then I started to wonder, well, what, is my what is my dad going to react like when he sees this chip tile? So I knew from earlier experience, he said, don't play on the lawn. You're going to break the sprinkler. And I broke one. And when he got home, he saw it broken. He immediately took off his belt and just whipped me in public. So I was like, so I was like the tile's broken. How is God going to respond to this? I mean, how is my dad going to respond to this? I just hid. And I didn't say nothing. And then... The next day, my dad's like, who broke this tile? Who broke this tile? And then my awesome older brother says, I think Gia was roller skating uh, across the tile. And all I can remember was my dad's face walking toward me when he pointed it. I was like, and so a lot of times, we think God is like our dad. That when we make a mistake, the, the, our emotions are like, well, he's a father. He's most likely going to act like my dad. Because that's our lens that we kind of see God through as our dad. So here's a concept I want to put in your brain. God is not a bigger version of your earthly dad. He's not your dad on super heavenly steroids. He's not a bigger version. I'm going to repeat that. He's not a bigger. Now, we had good dads, but they had their bad moments, right? My dad's awesome, great hard worker, provider, but he, he did not know how to handle a cracked tile or handle a hyper kid, right? So there was things that he did that, that made me, like, afraid of authority figures. And so I, my tendency was to hide. So God is not a bigger version of your earthly dad. He is the perfect version of your earthly dad. So that means the tile is broken. Oh, son, are you okay? Did you get injured? Wow, you know what? That's unfortunate. You shouldn't have done what you did. But you know what? I can fix that. You know what? You are more important than a piece of tile, okay? But I don't want you in the, using your roller skates in the house anymore. Okay, dad. All right, big hugs. That's what I probably needed. That would have made me a much more secure adult. But what I got was an earthly dad. Good-hearted, but sinful. And so a lot of times, my view when I sin or I make a mistake is that God is kind of like my dad. He can be harsh. And God's like chasing me. Gio, Gio, I'm not, I'm not Socrates. I'm God. Come here. And he's chasing me, and I'm running, and I'm hiding. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, he's a bigger version of my earthly dad. And he's not. He's the perfect version. He's not too harsh. He's not too distant. He's perfect. So I want you to put your mind around that because when our relationship with God gets broken by sin, it's important for you to know that he is the perfect version of your dad. But my dad wasn't around growing up. God is. See, he's the perfect version. But my dad, let me do anything I want. God doesn't. He's the perfect version. 
And he says there's consequences to things. This is an important concept that if you get as adults, you'll sear this into your children. Because even though you're awesome disciples, we make some terrible mistakes as parents. And then we're full of guilt and we're all beating ourselves up. But God is the perfect version of our earthly dad. So, you got your balloon? Get your second balloon out. For all you show-offs, try not to pop it. I know some of you guys are like, I'm going to pop it because I'm going to show. Yeah, I know. Just, just, just try to blow it for the, for the sake of the balloon. We're going to try to let the air go out. Okay, I got to say that. Some of, you, some of you guys really tried really hard. Okay, one breath. Don't pop it now. One, two, three. Some of these balloons are really bad, by the way. One breath. Oh! Okay, hold it up. Hold on. Don't do it yet. Hold on. Hold it up. Can you guys, can you pinch it? Can you pinch it? Who's squeaking? <laughs> okay, look at that, look at that, look at that. Let's read this verse together out loud together as a church. Ready? One, two, three. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. One, two, three, let it fly. So here's what I have for you. One, I want you to memorize, if you're willing to grow spiritually, memorize this, because when you memorize this, I want it to stir in your mind that God will breathe life into you. God's wanting to restore your relationship with him, and he wants to breathe life into your soul, into your hearts, into your mind, into your nostrils. God is pursuing you. He's in love with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. That's what God is doing. So this is our memory verse. I highly encourage you to memorize it and share it in your family times. Share it with your kids. Uh, read it again and again. Just, and just teach your family about how God is pursuing us and he wants to give us life. Thanks for coming out. That concludes our service. We love you guys. We'll see you guys.